0: This is a News Laundry podcast, and you're listening to sessions from the Media Rumble 2018.
1: Hello, everyone. Good morning. So I am in esteemed company of uh, some of my colleagues as well. So thank you so much. And uh, you know, I would like to begin by a very, very famous quote. It says, "Girte hai maidan e jang mein, tifl girenge jo ke bal so, is it important for women in newsrooms to be not insignificant? And I'll begin with Shirin. I think
2: it's imperative that women find their voice in the newsroom. Uh, just to pick up on the the topic of uh, that we're here to discuss today, uh, women always relegated to being the bridesmaid. I think all of us here are examples of the fact that no, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Uh, I think uh, you know. Journalists are often guilty of sweeping generalizations, so I will avoid doing that. Let me try and break this up for you uh, in the way that I see television news, because that is the business that I've been involved with for the last 18 years. I think it's been easier for women to get to the top in television, because you haven't had a lot of the legacy issues that perhaps the print media has had to deal with. It's relatively uh, a newer business. It's about 20, 22 odd years old here in India. So even from a supply perspective, there were more women coming into this business uh, to start with. Anyway, Uh, the question though is, not whether there are enough women in the newsroom, whether there are enough women in the boardroom. And I think that is where the conversation really needs to head. I mean, if I look at uh, CNBC TV 18, which is the channel that I run, across pretty much every function, whether it is from news producers to editors, uh, across different beats, we have perhaps more women than we actually do have men. And that wasn't a conscious or deliberate choice that we've made. We've just encouraged people to uh, to sort of aspire to do what they want to do and created a system uh, where merit is truly rewarded, an initiative is truly rewarded, so it was never uh, gender-specific what we attempted to do in the newsroom. But I think the problem really is that there are not enough women in management, not enough women in boardrooms making decisions that could perhaps help retain women in the newsroom. And I think that is the big challenge that we face today, is being able to retain women to attain leadership positions within the newsroom, that is where the conversation now needs to move to.
1: Yes, Durga, would you say that it's to do with also that uh, sometimes when women are in position of power, not every, in, not in all the newsrooms, they do not really encourage women. So they're, uh, they're, I mean, while we understand feminist theories that you, know, you should be having more women as allies, women when they take this position of power, and there are very few of them in newsrooms across the country, they really do not encourage women as much.
3: Um, Yes and no. I think you're absolutely right that, um, I think four or five years ago, uh, I think I definitely didn't actively think about how will I uh, retain women across, uh, you know, first generation workers, middle management, uh, sales, design, technology, editorial and so on, right? It's only in the last, two and a half, three years, I think, I've become very, very aware um, of the fairly complex layer challenges that are there, okay, across a media organization. Um, I think it's very different for an English speaking newsroom where the incoming women are far more confident uh, and faces a certain, certain set of challenges, as Shireen puts it. I think um, they're, all, they're all managing different beats. They're good reporters, but do they actually become editors? Do they actually become managing editors? Do they lead newsrooms? I think the proportion shrinks dramatically. I think for uh, the languages, it's a completely different reality uh, of safety, of convincing their families to work. I think the men in language newsrooms gang up Uh, and are very, very uh, patronizing and and don't really know how to deal with women and feel even more threatened than they typically do, right? It's something that I've noticed in my experience. I think with technology, the challenge is very much about just recruiting, right? uh, And and for sales, it is about, uh, I think traditionally in India, uh, sales teams have hired good-looking women because they want them to go sell to agencies which are full of men, right? So it's shocking. Uh, but I've had very, very educated, smart men making calls like this, right? Uh, so I think the the challenges are, only now are we even talking about it, right? I couldn't even sit here and say these things because, A, I wasn't in this position before, but the fact that we can actually sit and talk about it, and I can, you know, everyone is looking at the numbers, at least it's, and I'm, I'm again, I'm speaking, of, I think, the Indian Express Group, the uh, network, a couple of the companies that have in. I'm not speaking of the larger. Again, vernacular is very, very different. And we don't have anyone here uh, from vernacular, which I think is a loss to get that perspective.
1: Yeah. But I think that's a huge uh, challenge. While we do talk about that management also acknowledges that there is a need for having women in boardrooms, but how many of them have be, have managed to really achieve that? You know, there is an acknowledgement of a problem, but how many do they actually ensure that women reach that level? Uh, Kumi, you know, you have had a long inning in journalism and when you look back, yes, these were conversations that never took in the past. Now, we are talking about it because women are increasingly taking up that leadership role, but it's few and far between. Uh, When you look at this transition that has taken place, Would you say that when we say that women are bridesmaids or flower girls in newsrooms it's very much the case across. It's not to do with newsroom alone because newsroom in in many ways is a reflection of how management companies are run across.
4: I don't uh, really agree with this title of bridesmaid, (laughs) not bride, apart from myself I think the three esteemed people on the panel are all brides in their own right. And uh, we have quite a few examples of uh, them. Um, I can give you from uh, your NDTV, for example. Mm-hmm. The top person is uh, both at one time. Padha was the top. So was um, Sonia, Sonia Barma. Mirna um, um, Pande was the head of the Hindustan Times. Uh, Navikar is pretty, I think, around uh, the top in uh, times now. And uh, You'll find several other I- examples which, I mean, compared to what it was when I started out in the profession uh, in the 1970s, I mean, there was barely a person to be seen in uh, newsroom. Yes, I know that when time. I joined the profession,
1: the only person was a secretary. There was no such thing as the… So, is it because women are more confident, they also realize that what their contribution is yeah, in I mean, boardrooms? progress it,
4: it has increased and… You talked about boardrooms. But uh, it's not generally recommended. Some of the most powerful women, hmm. they're not editors by name, but since they're owners, they actually are hands-on owners who run the place, uh, like, for example, Radhika Roy, and who uh, not many may know of. But the fact is, I know that she's one, the leading light over there of the team and part of the team, uh, team of Pranoy Roy and Radhika Roy. Or you take Shogna Bharatiya
1: in the Hindu Sun type. Right. So that's a positive uh, on which we are, positive side, perhaps that we are looking at. Maria, would you say that uh, when we look at this entire transition, you know, who me is very positive. It has also to do with why
0: the newsrooms and management they talk about
1: millennials, but when it comes to deciding a woman and giving them leadership position, it is also about experience. That for you, it has to be about experience, but for other gender, it can be you're young, you're energetic, you can take up that role.
5: Uh, The Philippines is in a strange place, largely because most of our major news groups are actually led by women. Rappler, the news group I have, is 64% women, and we joke that we need to have equal opportunity for men. Not because we're against men, it's um, they weren't as qualified as the women that came in. Uh, and maybe it's also self-selective. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I, I think, so I'll, I'll take a step back take a step back largely because um, it's such an honor to be on the panel with women. But part of it is also because every one of us, when we get to positions of authority, will make decisions based on our own biases. And there have just been more men in positions of authority. Uh, And I think the difference in the Philippines was that, and it was actually, it's ironic, the difference happened around martial law when we fought against a dictator in the 80s. And what happened was that it was actually the women who buried themselves in the lifestyle pages of the magazine who led the fight yes. against the dictator. And then uh, I came in as a young, I had just graduated college when people power happened, and I watched these women, many of whom had been jailed, had been tortured, I watched them walk into the newsrooms. And it was an amazing time of great optimism. And then when I was uh, as a young reporter, there was still sexism in, in the newsroom. Yes, it's there. But at the same time, there's, when it's a period of churn, which actually it is right now, I think that's, that gives tremendous opportunity. Um, I'll, and I'll end with just one last thing, which is I don't think it's as much, it's not a men versus women. It's actually women with our own ideas of our expectations for our lives. So, in the Philippines, in 2014, we ran a survey, and uh, the survey, it it was a gender equality survey, and um, and we asked the question, if you have a choice between hiring an equally qualified man versus an equally qualified woman, whom would you hire? And men and women, 71% chose, they said they would hire men. Still, weirdly enough, right? And I think, so there's still that, it's a long roundabout way of saying, I think that, uh, I hope that we have broken it. I know in the Philippines, um, we have. The women leaders are still part of the culture with its cultural norms, continue to cultivate young women and men. I think when you have a women leader in a position of power, not anything against the men. There's a little nurturing factor that also goes in, at least it's in the cultures of newsrooms I've been in. So, um, sorry, that's a roundabout way of answering your question, I, I think that um, in many ways, every country has our our ability to move forward as women in the boardroom. And I agree it has to be in the boardroom because those are gonna be the ones who call the shots. Um, they're Partly our culture, partly our identity as women, and our individual values.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, if, if I may just jump in here. Uh, the, the title of our panel discussion this morning uh, why always the bridesmaid and not the bride? I think that's the problem with the conversation that we're having when it comes to women in the workplace. That the aspiration still is why can't you be, uh, you know, why can't you eventually sort of settle down and whatever else the case may be? I mean, I've seen, I've seen really bright young reporters who, between 25 and 28, if they happen to be women, feel like they're ticking time bombs. Because that's the kind of pressure that's put on them from society, parents, extended family, and friends, and so on and so forth. Like, oh, you're almost 25. You're almost 28. When are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? We need to, when you hire, uh, you're in the job market and you're hiring. People, you will never ask a man if he's in that age group that, oh, are you married? Or, yeah. you know, do you yes. intend to get married? Yes. Why yes. is that one of the top three questions that you will always ask a woman? That, are you married or do you intend to get married anytime soon? When are you planning
1: to settle now, down? Exactly. I think say. the
2: conversation needs to be about what do you aspire to do? Mm-hmm. What is it that you're looking to do? Is this a career? Is this something that you're willing to take up as a marathon and not a sprint? Uh, what excites you about news? What excites you about content? Those are the conversations that we need to have with women especially when you're out there looking at hiring talent as opposed to looking at them oh 25 26 is she married is she not married is she planning to get married and I think that's the cultural shift that we need to make within our newsrooms I think one of the other important things that I've observed and I think Durga absolutely right much more uh, in, in the regional uh, uh, channels in the newsrooms there is you you tolerate bad much. behavior yes Uh, And you put up with bad behavior because it happens to be a man. Uh, and, And I mean bad behavior in the sense that, you know, you could have a whim, you could have a random demand, you could make a random choice, and that will be accepted. But if it were to be a woman who made those decisions, who called the shots in that fashion, which were random and arbitrary and unilateral, she would be called out for being too aggressive, she would be called out for being high maintenance, she would not be supported. And that, I think, is another problem that we need to fix in our newsrooms where it's the same degree of accountability uh, that both men and women are treated with
1: you think it has also to do with the manner in which women approach their subjects the reason why I'm saying so is that when they are allocated beats for that matter they are not seen usually suitable for beats which are hardcore political Mm -hmm. or finance which require number crunching or some kind of greater understanding of policy. That's a
2: stereotype. That's a stereotype, and we have to break it. Yes. The person who tracks coal and mining and power and energy and infrastructure at CNBC-TV 18 is a woman. woman. The yes. person who tracks auto, banking, finance is a woman. You know, so these are stereotypes that we need to get rid of. It's in it's in your head that, oh, this is, you know, the softer stuff. And I don't know what what that means even. The softer stuff, you know, used to be relegated to lifestyle and entertainment, that that was what women reporters could do or women journalists could do that's absolutely not true and I don't think that's been the case for the last several years now so I don't believe that it's a new phenomenon. I think we've made that transition to where women are actually given meaty beats women are given beats that uh, are core beats for a news organization but I think we need to keep pushing that Hmm. forward uh, and keep allocating beats basis qualification and specialization, not gender.
1: Yes, uh, Durga, you know, I'm looking at this transition that Shireen is talking about. Yes, that there has been this transition. But when it comes to discussion on, say, politics for that matter, do you think it's important for women in particular to be more grounded? The reason why I'm saying is that you may have a greater understanding of your beat because you interact with a lot more people, you put in much more than is expected out of you because you realize that you'll be judged a little more and it's tougher, you also need to be grounded because what you bring on the table in boardrooms is ground realities, a greater empathy. And that's what I'm saying that you know, in, during the course of my election coverage. What stands out is particularly when you say that you relate to caste identities and you bring your own identity because you're coming from a small town or you come from a, a fr- from a state which has a greater understanding of politics i'm saying do you think it's important for them to have a perspective which is not picked up a perspective yeah. which is more original yeah
3: no so i think uh, representation is terribly important i think the uh, the way we define diversity in india Uh, has to involve caste. I don't think, uh, I think most uh, English newsrooms are very upper caste in India. I don't think it, uh, we, uh, I think at this point, uh, you know, there are some publicized efforts in different newsrooms to allocate quotas and so on. But I don't think we've really thought about fundamentally what does it mean, right? What what does an open mind mean? Even if you are from a certain reality, do you have the uh, skills, the empathy, the questioning mind uh, to parachute uh, into some other alternate reality and ask the right question and be empathetic, right? Uh, So I think, So I've tried to think a lot about the way we hire, right? Uh, To ensure a certain kind of, because I think uh, fundamentally, if if a newsroom or a media organization has to work for women, it has to be very transparent, it has to be very democratic, right? Just as as just fundamental uh, values. But secondly, uh, I've started thinking about, okay, all our job descriptions now says she, right? Like the little things that matter. I I write a lot of the senior job descriptions using she, trying to uh, be much more, um, you know, empathetic to hiring women in the language that I use. Uh, I definitely do a lot of very, very open discussion, both with men and women of different levels to try and understand what's going on, what are they thinking, where are they from, which states are they from, and so on. Uh, In technology, I actively and biasly try to look for women because it is so hard, right? There's just not enough of a supply chain, especially when you're in Noida, a lot of, people living there. uh, And and here again, we have to, I think Delhi is different from Bombay, right? It is different from the South, right? There's no point in us running away from it and saying, uh, it's very, very hard for me to get women who are in Gurgaon to travel to Noida. They just don't believe it's safe, right? But men will just make the move, right? They are where their husbands are. So, But I can't say you have to. I have to factor that reality in. It's stupid of me not to, right? So I think we've We've tried to train a lot. Uh, we've tried to t- completely change the way we think with little steps. Uh, we've tried to, uh, I try and look at my quarterly hiring numbers to say, okay, how many women have we actually hired across different uh, departments? It's not easy. Um, and, and I oftentimes, you know, I think, I think when you are a CEO and you are looking at numbers, you finally have to do what you think is best for an organizational goal. Right. I think we've acknowledged that um, equality more than gender diversity, equality and fairness are organisational goals yeah. and representation is an yes. organisational goal. Um, but at the end of the day I think while I keep all these things in mind I do um, Finally, I don't know how many gender calls I make. I'll have to step back and think about where is it that I'm able to consciously make the gender call and be progressive and do the right thing for the future and where am I making a short-term call. And it's not easy balancing yeah, the two. Yeah.
1: Shirin, quickly for ten seconds, you made that point about um, that women even in position of power, for that matter you, you do your, you know, you make certain calls. Is it true that even today you are questioned when you make some arbitrary decision and you are seen, are you seen as aggressive enough? Uh, hopefully I, hopefully evidence. i don't
2: make arbitrary decisions uh, I, I think women uh, or at least my style of working is a lot more collaborative and i have seen that uh, with a lot of women that i've worked with that there is a degree of partnership which perhaps is stronger than what i have seen with uh, men uh, and again i don't want to generalize but i'm just saying that this has been my well, experience yeah. that the women tend to forge stronger collaborations tend to hmm. uh, tend to forge greater degrees of partnership which is a good idea uh, in a newsroom, especially if you want to keep it vibrant and you want to keep it alive. But, you know, on, on the point that Durga was making about making conscious choices uh, to create a nurturing environment within the newsroom, and, uh, and just ten seconds on that. Um, I truly believe, and this is this is a battle that I'm, I'm fighting internally as well, that you know, you can call them benefits, you can call them privileges, and I'm not talking about maternity because that's a different story altogether. But in your daily operations, and it does, you know, we're working with limited budgets, we're working with tight costs, and at the end of the day, let's make no bones about it, it does boil down to cost. If you're going to say that if, a woman has to travel on work outside and she's coming back late, there needs to be a security guard for her, there needs to be a pick up and drop from the airport to drop her back home, and that same benefit is not awarded to the man, I will bet you that the organization will always pick the man over yes. the woman. So the choice has to be gender neutral, you're disincentivizing, sending a woman out on the field because somebody's going to think, oh I'll have to apportion a higher cost sending her out as opposed to a man. So you have to think these things through. It's, it's well-intentioned. It's well-meaning because you're thinking about safety and security. But does it actually act as an incentive or a disincentive? I think those are the conversations that we need to now have and introspect over.
1: Yes. Uh, Kumi, would you say that, you know, you named a number of women who are in leadership positions in various newsrooms, but the journey has been very, very tough the journey has been about conversations that have been avoided, conversations which have been finally indulged into, and then corrections being made. But what is it beyond empathy or beyond ground realities that is forcing women even, you know, that they have to stand out? That is the only way they'll survive and thrive, that they have to bring something extra, while that extra element that we talk about is not required from the other gender. You can be, you could have given 15, 20 years in the field, and then you are accepted. Your experience is seen as your asset. But as far as woman is concerned, when she has given 20 years, 25 years, she's supposed to bring extra even at that stage of her career.
4: Yeah, I think it dif- differs depending on the environment and the media organization which you're working for. I agree totally with Durga and Shirin When I, they said that uh, non-English media newsroom is a very, very yes, different, very, type very of challenging, gear, yes. cha- very challenging, hmm. and a woman, however competent, and certainly when women were st- starting out in the media. They had to work to, I think, prove themselves much, much more to get the beats. But you uh, implied that today that it's still the soft beats uh, which the women get and the hard beats uh, that the men get. I don't find that at all the case anymore. And as far as covering politics, you seem to feel that men have an advantage. But they may experience. Huh?
1: When we talk about experience, yeah. If you have put in 20 years in yes. the field, yeah, is that seen as equivalent to? to a man having put in 20 years or are you expected to bring in something extra despite your experience? Maybe
4: I've been lucky in the places I've worked for but I haven't found really that there's a a difference in that way. I think that where a man scores is this whole uh, situation which is not just in the media field but in any field that this certain kind of male bonding Hmm. insidiously, yes, Hmm. the male club insidiously helps men to get ahead. Uh, in some ways I mean for example even uh, as you were talking about political coverage Hmm. uh, this male bonding will help them to know more politicians on a you know, very familiar basis, probably know more about caste, but does that actually reflect in what they produce? Because I've seen that the best analysis of who's going to win the election usually come from the women. I can give an (laughs) example. And that's because the women are are talking to the people on the ground. The men are analyzing there's this many Dalits, this many uh, Muslims, this many Jats, this, that and thinking it's an arithmetic, which they've learned, because that's how the politicians talk. Hmm. But uh, uh, the actual thing is doing hard work on the ground and talking to people. And I think women are much more temperamentally inclined to do that.
1: So that's a positive there. No, but as Shirin said, I don't think there's any experience, which, uh, which experience, now is I'm soft I'm just trying to understand and, uh, about the experience aspect. Mm-hmm. Experience. Maria, will you take that question? I, this is it experience plus when it comes to women? And just experience when it comes to men.
5: I mean, in management, I would say that that's not true. But again, I think I'm in a in a our country is a un, in a unique position. Let me put it in terms of CNN, um, international, right? At least the experience that I've had there. Um, mm. in, in when I was in my 20s, CNN had decided to hire Asian American women bureau chiefs, and that was in the 80s, right? There are these decisions that are coming in. So I, I. Maybe I'm not familiar with the local culture, which is behind the experience versus, I know in television, when you get older, you get gray hair, maybe you won't be as, but that's on camera. There are those things that we have to deal with, but I will say, uh, in my own experience, and maybe I'm lucky, I've not felt that. And uh, what I do think is, and I agree with Shirin in this one, I think it is the culture of every news group, and the culture of every news group begins, if it's led by women, it can move faster, by enlightened men, I know Raju is here somewhere, he's he's also doing, uh, he's pushed this forward in news groups he's led but it's also limited by the values of the societies we are part of. So as an outsider to India, for example, my question to Durga, when I first met her, I was like, so what is it like to be a women leader in India? Because of course, the if you go by you know, generalizations. Um, And I'll go by some, an experience I had as early as, um, this would have been in 2001, I'm checking into a hotel, it's 9-11, after 9-11, I'm coming in to cover out of New Delhi. I'm the leader of a team with five people, right? I I was the only woman with four men. And when we were checking in, I was non-existent, right? So, So, I guess I go back to that, right? We can only go as far as our society and our own internal values allow us to. Um, But I'm optimistic, I hope you feel that.
1: (laughs) Okay, so is it experience plus and experience? What's
5: this experience plus, is that a code? (laughs) No, I I don't, you know, look, um, I, I think that
2: uh, I, I don't know what that means exactly, the experience plus, but I think that uh, that going back again to the fact that, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak from experience, um, I think women find it harder yes. to have a conversation about what we should rightfully demand and yes. ask for. And the men perhaps are not uncomfortable having those conversations. We are uncomfortable having those conversations, even when it comes to things like compensation. I cannot remember having one conversation in the last 18 years when it comes to compensation, and I don't believe that my male colleagues have had any trouble whatsoever having those conversations. Uh, I don't believe that I've been comfortable to say that. Look, uh, and, and I've been lucky. You know, I, I was, I've moved up the ladder fairly quickly, so I there was no cause for me to complain about the fact that I. Deserve this and I haven't got it. But I'm, you know, every time I thought that I wanted to have a conversation about what I felt was legitimately something that I deserved, um, I was hesitant. And and men are not. So I think that that's a cultural issue uh, that we need to to get by. And I think that's also um, uh, an organisational issue that we need to encourage the women yes. to speak up. We need to encourage women to say it's okay to ask for. Money. for for help it's okay to to raise concerns about the way that you've been treated or what you believe you should have got and you haven't uh, I think it's important to encourage the women and the men to speak but I think women hold themselves back because that's that's how we're unfortunately engineered or wired so I think to create that culture that it is okay to ask for what you believe is legitimately yours uh, or a better deal is certainly something that we should encourage and I do encourage that uh, within within our newsroom I mean we, you know we um, We have uh, women who are leading anchors today on CNBC TV 18, who took uh, their maternity breaks and, uh, you know, The conversation that that we had with them was, look, you are valued, you are appreciated. Take the time that you want to take off, but we would like you to come back. We want you to come back. You have to make them feel that there is a sense of ownership in this decision, that the organization supports them equally in the decision. They're not being penalized for making that choice. And I think that is very, very important and critical uh, as we create this culture where we want to see more women progress to the top.
4: I'd like to really second totally what Shireen said because it is so, so true, you know, that women are very hesitant. Maybe it's the way yes. they're brought up or whatever about demanding. Where I've seen, uh, you know, newcomers to the newsroom, yes. men who suddenly dem- have all kinds of demands and feel they're, they're God's gift to humanity. Whereas the, <laughs> women are far more modest about what are their actual abilities. Maybe it's our cultural training in India.
1: Yes. When we talk about this cultural thing, uh, Yes, English newsrooms and particularly newsrooms which are in Delhi, likely most English channels have the newsrooms in Delhi. There are these transitions that are happening. But when about, what about the vernacular press? What about regional media? When we have, is, is there any change happening at all? I'm just trying to understand. Because, you know, there are conversations of this nature. But I'm not too sure whether a newsroom, say in my state of Bihar, or in the neighboring state of West Bengal would ever have these kind of conversations? Yeah.
3: No, so I think firstly, it's about five, seven years behind the reality of the English newsroom, right? I think what, um, yeah, even more perhaps, I would say more. even more, right? Just in terms of, um, I think one, when they come in as trainees, what do they agree to do? They agree to do pretty much anything, right? Whereas when an English uh, intern comes in, their thresholds are much more aggressive than uh, a trainee who comes into, a. of course I'm speaking of the urban reality, into a Hindi newsroom or a a Tamil newsroom or a Bengali newsroom. Uh, There's also a lot of groupism, right? So you have to find ways to, uh, keep making sure that you're promoting the right people, right? So middle management, there's hardly anyone, right? Women, leave alone senior management. Middle management has no no women in most uh, vernacular newsrooms. Reporting, obviously, because of television, because of various reasons, uh, has seen women, uh, you see more senior women faces, right? Um, I just want to go back to two things that Shireen mentioned, right? One is this... Um, learning to articulate confidently what your worth is. And I think it's taken all of us uh, a while to do it. Um, And in fact, it was, um, you know, uh, a, a boss of mine in Network 18, Sai, who once just told me you're an idiot, right? You're getting paid one third what a lot of other men are getting paid and you need to negotiate up, right? Until someone actually told me that, I didn't realize what my worth was, right? And now, I again uh, end up trying to teach a lot of women how to write, uh, how to keep uh, emailing what they've done, how to uh, record what, what it is that they've achieved, how to when they do salary negotiations kind of uh, talk about what they're going to do next year, how they're going to add value, and then drop in what they want to, uh, you know, in terms of whether it's different, Uh, timings for work, the benefit needs to be at the end. They can't open with, listen, I need to take care of my kid, right? I think we need to change uh, the the order of things there, right? And I don't mean that, I, I just think it's the real practical thing to do, to say, listen, this is what I did last year, this is where I'm gonna take the business, but I'm gonna do it within these hours, right? And I've done that, I think, successfully over the last two, three years. And I also realize I'm far more efficient as a mother than I was before <laughs> I was a mother, right? So it's totally doable. And there are practical ways to do it. And I think if we talk about it, we can probably, the organization will start allowing people to do work from home, flex hours, lots of these things uh, for both men and women. You
2: know, if, if I may, and I'm, I'm jumping in with a question here because I wanna get Maria's perspective on this. Uh, do you believe that having a woman editor uh, has changed the nature of content uh, of of what you know you the sort of stories that you would pursue uh, does that make a difference at all because yeah.
5: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think our personalities in the news are reflected in the news groups we lead. Um, but I do want to pick up two things from what you both said. One, uh, one is that uh, when you're talking about, you said you hadn't negotiated for pay. You must negotiate. That yeah. means you're underpaid. Um, <laughs> but, but, but for me, it took me a long time. It took me a decade before I asked. And then when yeah. I asked, yeah. it was during. You catch the organization at the time when it most needs you, and they yeah. tripled. My yeah. pay in that last <laughs> period. So ask if you're a woman and you haven't asked. Um, I think the second, the, the second point from bo- what both of you are saying is that, um, the culture, the women do need to shift a little bit more when you're, when you're building it. Because we are building it, uh, but I'll also give you instances when well-meaning efforts by government to try to have gender equality mm-hmm. works against, against women in the organization. Um, and this is something where you talked about it in economic terms. For example, in the Philippines, you can have a three-month maternity leave um, in a in a company like ours, where we're less than 100 people, three months paid maternity leave would be really, really uh, sorry. Three months paid without having them would be difficult for us, right? But the women we have, I'll, I'll tell you, are and I, I don't think she, she. I say this all the time. Our head of sales, um, she could take three months. She's in she's in the on the on the um, sales the business side, right? But. She didn't. <laughs> I mean, she just, you know, she's a great mother. She's got three kids, but as she was being wheeled in to give birth to her last child, she was on the phone closing a deal, you know. Um, I guess that's th- the thing is, in the end, our organizations, the business does have to shift, but the women who want to come in need to also. Uh, we give up a few things, but and I don't think this is just women, men and women as you move up. I just think that we've framed the, the conversation around women to start with, when you have a child, you cannot do what the yes. organization needs.
1: Yes. Okay. So now that we have to really end this discussion, uh, I'm going back to the title that we began. So women editors, always the bridesmaid. What are they right now? And how do you define this? Are they really the bridesmaids, or what are they?
5: That almost sounds like a man chose the title of our panel. <laughs>
1: probably probably did. Yes. Probably Sorry. did. Sorry. What? Okay, so what are they, and where will they be in five years? We are starting with Durga, and then we'll end this. Uh,
3: women editors, I think, are largely uh, senior... Editors, I think, or, or board people, or CEOs, I think, are relatively absent. I think we are all an exception. Uh, and I hope in five years uh, you'll see many more uh, women leaders in the media uh, who are truly pa- empowered and not uh, don't have promoters behind them calling the shots or um, boards behind them calling the shots, but truly empowered women leaders.
1: So they're not bridesmaids? Right. I don't
3: even know what this title means, so I'm not
2: absolutely
1: just... okay, Shireen.
2: <laughs> well, I would, I would like to think of women editors as leaders, not as brides or bridesmaids. I think, uh, uh, and I think it is incumbent on on us uh, who happen to be in positions of uh, of some degree of authority, of some ability to make the decisions, to ensure that we create fair, equal, just. Uh, work environments. And and when I say that, I don't mean that only for the women. I mean that for the men as well. Because I keep going back to my point that if you keep perpetuating this culture of that the women classes. will be treated differently, yeah. they will be treated differently. You have to create a culture where the men and the women are treated equally. And it is important to nurture the women, nurture their aspirations, tell them that, because let's be, let's be honest, I mean there is the, the paternalistic baggage and legacy that we carry and hence you need an extra holding hand hand and you need a little amount of uh, help and we shouldn't shy away from that reality. But if organizationally, if institutionally you keep treating the women differently, they will forever okay. be treated differently and that I believe that the time for that is, so, is over and so I think we, we really not, have to move beyond so that. So
1: in that case we should not make it about men versus women.
5: It is not about men versus women, it is about men and women, women. together. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Maria. Um, I think this is a time of creative destruction. And I think that women leaders who are already there should jump and push much further. Uh, I think others, um, organizations, and it always happens the same in the Philippines. uh, Outside the capitals, it moves a little bit slower. This is a time when those organizations outside can actually leapfrog ahead. I think we can look at it as a time of opportunity. And then the final thing is, you know, we are not alone in the Philippines, that there are so many women leaders there. I'm still trying to figure out why, but I would say five years from now, I hope we're more 50-50 men and women instead of 63. To I
1: think a, a bit of a gender imbalance of 60-40 would not be bad. More women than men. Yes, Kumi. Well, if you, you look
4: at my. No, no, no. Uh, the title is yes, <laughs> atrocious, as I said. It's really obviously been thought of by a man. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, if you look at my newsroom in the Indian Express, the, I would say there are more women than men. You would say that, well, but they're not in the senior positions. Well, apart from the top two positions, the third position is held by a woman. But at least two of our resident editors are women. The uh, person in charge of the edit page is a woman the head of our investigating uh, team is a woman, executive editor is a woman, so I think it's a matter
1: of time before they move into the absolute top slot, even in this newspaper. All right, thank you so much, ladies. So we have questions. How many questions can we take? As many? Okay. Three, okay. Yes, please, go ahead.
6: Good morning. Yes. Uh, Ma'am, there was a concept raised about, uh, you know, male bonding, about a phenomenon called male bonding. And how due to male bonding, you know, uh, sometimes men are, or majority um, in majority of the time men are able to you know take some competitive advantage so but what i am seeing here in front of me is you know all women participants here so uh, don't you think it would have been you know more balanced discussion it was uh, if there was at least a one male participant absolutely. here and, absolutely uh, more. <laughs> I n- and more and when we and when we talk about uh, it's not about men versus women it's uh, about men and women and men should be encouraged to talk about women so I don't I, see uh, I would
1: say what uh, agree with what Shireen said that a bit of hand holding a bit of empathy towards being another woman towards another woman a bit of seeing another woman as an ally helps and it's alright to have a woman bonding as well so this woman Editor's panel is far more exciting. There is no, but I, I think the point that he's making is that there should have been a man in
4: on
2: this yeah. conversation yeah, at least. As well, they should I, have, I completely absolutely agree with you. I completely agree and with you. I think, you. It yeah. was,
3: I mean, Maria mentioned Raju. I mean, we worked with Raghav. Yeah. Uh, I think there are men who are very instinctively feminist, feminist they yes. choose women all the time because they're not threatened by them, they don't see them through a certain lens, yes. they have zero stereotypes, they, they've just and, and i think it would have been lovely to have uh, a man, a vernacular oh, yeah, be yeah, a man, man as well yeah. Yeah.
2: but
5: also yeah. if you think about it this we women tend to see all male panels on many things so in a weird way <laughs> no they, no they, no, no, right, no that's all
1: women
6: panels no that's that's one thing but don't you think that you are missing a, you know one of the key elements that there should have been yes. yeah, we, 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 we we agree we agree with you
2: no, no, no. no. Yes, women I, I think women. It's, it's important to have the conversation and include men in the conversation and I just believe that in the quest for uh, creating a diverse organization, often you lose one side of the conversation because you're focusing purely on the, on the women uh, in that effort to try and promote diversity. I think it's absolutely important to encourage a two-way conversation which includes the men as well. Hi, Shireen. My name is Deepika
3: and just wanted to first of all say it's been so refreshing to hear your views because you're really really balanced and not really towards the women's side which is mostly the conversation these days. My question to you is what's, what, what do you think about paid menstrual leave which is now a conversation as well and recently there was an article that after all these asking of benefits Uh, companies are shying away from hiring women so what do you have to say about that? Uh, Look
2: as I mentioned uh, I think we need to think about these benefits that we give out to women very, very carefully because you're already seeing that with the new maternities bill that has been uh, passed by parliament, uh, is it actually disincentivizing organizations from hiring women? If you're a small startup and you have 20 people and you, know, you a majority of them happen to be women who do happen to take six months off uh, as paid maternity leave, it is going to be a serious challenge for that organization. So I'm firmly of the belief that you need to move to a system of having family leave. So if a woman is entitled to taking three months off, then a man should be entitled to take three months off paternity leave as well. We encourage this in our newsroom. I mean, if, if uh, you know, it, this, this, this notion or idea that if a child has to be dropped and picked up, from school or sent to school or daycare, and all of that is going to be the woman's responsibility. No, I, I, you know, if there are men within the within the organization within the newsroom who say that we're going to come in a little late because I'm going to go pick up my kid, we encourage that. So I think that is the that is the message that that you need to send out. But I think we need to think about what we're legislating and what we're making mandatory because I think it is going to start acting as a disincentive, especially for smaller organizations to look at hiring more women. And, and I don't believe that we've. Done enough thinking through on this front yet.
4: In fact, if I could add to that, the reason that women were, uh, were not allowed into newspapers earlier was the uh, their news editors used to quote the Factories Act, which claimed that newspapers came under the Factories Act, and in the Factories Act you're not allowed to work after 10 o'clock at night. So they said, no, that the women doesn't do late new, uh, duty, so why should we hire them? It's only when the women said, no, no, we are doing late duty. So uh, th- these are uh, uh, special benefits. And the first time I've heard about a menstruation, yes. leave. I mean, obviously, no employer is going to <laughs> take you for. Yes, please. Very good morning, ma'am. My question to Komi ma'am is that, th- as we all know, there is a rat race and there is a neck to neck competition in every sector for men as well as women. But if I talk about myself, my father feels that there is so much in competition as well as deterioration and, you know, exploitation for women in the field of media. So my question to you is what you would, uh, a woman without approach or promotion, how could it outshine in the field of media to the budding journalist? Um, I don't know that you have to have an approach. If you show your, uh, your work and your competence and you stand for your rights, uh, I think you'll get ahead anyway. I mean, this approach is is there for both men and women. I mean, there are always people who have special approach, but I don't think it's a gender issue. If I can just add
2: to that, uh, you know, and and I think uh, uh, we, we tend to emphasize this importance of approach and Sifarish and all of that, uh, and it's not just within the media, across different sectors as well. But really, if you treat this as a career, if you're looking at this as as the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years of your life, it doesn't matter. You might miss out on one opportunity or the other. But if you have the passion, you have the perseverance, you have the determination, you will make it to where you want to make it. You just have to continue to want to want to make this a career for yourself you have to have that passion so you know don't don't fret about the one odd missed opportunity and there will be many but there'll also be several opportunities that will come your way if you yeah, actually best are best. able to deliver on the expectations if you're actually able to deliver on the promise that you made to the organization and to yourself
5: sorry there's one thing we did not talk about which actually can hinder young women coming into the field of journalism which is uh, online hate Right, so part of what is shifting, and I think this is something like our young reporters, are, are, their parents are worried about it. There is now exponential hate. Um, we, we heard this in, the, in uh, the open, in our welcoming note. So how do we deal with that? I think organizations have to worry about that. And then the men and women have to figure out, this is a scorched earth policy. Uh, it is organized, it is targeting, Women, it is fueling misogyny and uh, and sexism, and it will have an impact uh, on our industry. So I, that could, that could be one of those areas where we could work together.
6: The session kind of was a little disappointing for me.
5: Um, I,
6: I'm basically a reporter from a small town, and very clearly the regional. Aspects is not res- uh, represented at all, that a lot of you acknowledged. Um, what happens to women reporters, women editors is... I'm sure most of us have, uh, are, should be aware of. We've had girls committing suicide uh, in some of the smallest of places. You talk about aspirations, just go ahead and, you know, do what you wish to and, you know, if you if you are driven by passion, People will notice you, recognize you. No, people pull you down. They question what you wear. They question how you talk to people. They're never sent out on very, very important beats. This is… I am really sorry but, you know, I, I feel that a lot of us are from a very, very privileged class. We have a certain backing and therefore probably we are not facing it. But uh, I just wanted to, I mean, I couldn't stop myself from expressing. I don't know the situation in the Philippines, but it is a sad state. I I do not know how uh, in Delhi this is not being, uh, and somehow I felt that we were being so apologetic of not having men on board. Uh, Of course, we all look for equality, but this is a time that uh, women have been pushed down. And this is a, you know, this, the media has never recognized women. as, uh, you know, a few people have come forward, but uh, you know, the, the aspirations are very high uh, in small towns and you know, smaller Absolutely. places. Absolutely. But it's so difficult for them to yes. come out. So, yes. I so didn't want to thank you so them.
1: much. Yeah. Thank, I you. Think thank you. Thank you so much. So, the battles I in regional not. media and regional. No, the reality. I mean, yes, when you sit something and something
3: listen cool, to the reality yeah, of. Yes.
0: Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry to keep calling Can I में something to में question? Okay In Delhi, I'm going to talk to you In Delhi, in Bombay or in big towns <laughs> there are news rooms there are reporters but the actual money is there in the villages in the no, को, को security environment? No, I have thought
3: of this. Let me talk to you a little bit about this. right? So, I'm sorry I'm speaking in English. My Hindi is not great. Uh, But this is a reality that uh, I've encountered over the last six months saying that the physical safety of women around Noida is shocking, right? Uh, When they have encountered uh, a sexually offensive or threatening scenario within the office and we have laid off and taken an immediate action uh, to those uh, two men. I was constantly worried about what would happen to them when they left the office, right? So I had to talk to the police, we arranged security, uh, we changed her phone. I did a number of practical things. I don't have the answer, but I think definitely uh, one, I think what I was encouraged by, and I'm not speaking to uh, you know the the, the woman's questions where, where I'm only speaking to the urban reality of vernacular newsrooms. Um, but one, I think they all spoke up, right? They all spoke up saying, one, we cannot talk to our parents because uh, we are from Rajasthan or we are from UP. We are first generation workers who are coming into Delhi. If we talk to our families, we'll be asked to return immediately, right? We lose our jobs and we don't want to do that. We can't speak to anyone within the newsroom and we are scared about leaving the office because we think that these guys will troll us, right? They'll follow us, they will call us, do miss calls, etc., etc., right? cetera, right? Um, And we had one, I mean, I had two people in HR constantly checking in on them for a period of one month till they felt comfortable, sir. So beyond that, every week we sit and talk to the newsroom saying, how are you feeling about your physical safety, about your mental safety? Are you having the right conversations? But I fully acknowledge that the physical safety of women is a big problem uh, around Delhi, at least it's the first time I've encountered it. Um, and I totally agree with you, but I would like to say we are doing some small things at least in the Indian Express. Even, and I, I don't know how far it will go, but we are trying. Uh,
0: can I give an anecdotal suggestion? When I yes, I worked please. in the N- NDTV, NDTV newsroom, when great Radhika used presided the, the the system, the there it was a culture that whenever a girl is dropped, when she waves to a the cabby, then then he will come back. And in the newsroom itself, there was a tradition of encouraging boys to, to confront anybody. To, for example, in nerda I, I see it every day, when the girls are going rickshawballas, all those people. So you can't change the society. But I think if colleagues can be can be uh, sensitivized to, to make sure, so please take it as a project. Because this is okay. very crucial. This is one part. Right. And the other part, Please do something, talk to the people, powers that be in center, that let women stringers be there in the village also. Sure. In the in towns also, but, but there, there are no sure. women.
2: I just wanted to comment on, on the point that you were making. Uh, sorry, I don't know your name. Malini, I, I completely, I think both Durga and I, we, we basically said exactly that, that what we're talking about and we can only talk about our own experiences. And we do have privileged experiences. I'm sure the situation is very different. We see it across uh, the newsroom in the regional newsrooms that operate alongside us. So I cannot imagine what it must be like uh, to be operating out of a local channel, channel out of Bihar or a regional channel out of UP. I would imagine that the problems are very, very different and would require different answers and different solutions. I just don't know that or believe that I'm the right person to be able to address Absolutely. that in any authentic fashion uh, and, and hence I'm sticking to what I know best which is what I've been able to do over the last 17 years. So that's the limited point. It's not to suggest that it's not happening or it's not a problem or it's not a challenge. I just don't believe I'm the authentic voice to be able to comment on that with any kind of specific solutions.
1: And perhaps when we'll have another conversation we'll have somebody also from regional media to take up that issue because I think it's a very very important issue that is being brushed under the carpet thanks so much everybody thank you so much thanks
4: for just love all. all the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher iTunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to News Laundry
2: help us keep news independent